You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. Number 43. Episode number 43. Yes. I wasn't here for the last episode because I know absolutely nothing about anime. Is that what that's what it, that's what it was about, right? It was not about anime. It was actually about animation. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know absolutely nothing about animation either. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be back with you guys. We are bitch free tonight. It's yes, a, it's a we good are. night tonight. Yeah. <laughs> no chicks in the house. No vaginas. Only wieners. I'm so happy about this. No, I'm not. I really I love working with Michelle and Kirsten and and H. Uh, so we miss them. Uh, I know we spent like. Hours, I mean, many hours in executive meetings this week and discussions for the podcast tonight, trying to get one of them or two of them or even three of them to be on the show tonight, but none of them could make it. Their schedules couldn't work. So we are three dudes talking about old school. Yeah, basically. Old school yeah. stuff. I mean, period pieces, let's call them. Right. Mm, I got my period. Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. Just, I, I, I don't. And I've, you know, I've been having a real hard time with that. Like period pieces. Oh my god! Like what? Like a, like a, like a, like a vampire movie? <laughs> you know, fuck you guys and your jokes. Uh, I'm so historical bloody. films. Yeah, historical films. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk. That's kind of what we're going to be. We're going to be focusing on tonight with the dudes, the men, and okay. Chris and Chris. Isn't Chris George? <laughs> now you just spit that water out. You're all I'm man. You're dead. all man, Chris. Not yes, him he though. He's a he's a little girl over there, mm-hmm. the boss. So definitely, we're going to be getting into that here. But as always, Chris, the little girly man over there. Yeah, that <laughs> one. Uh, I'm has, a girl. <laughs> has been out on the street, cracking heads, hurting people, and wearing a dress the entire time. Because that's the way I like it. Yes. What do we have in the news this week, Chris? Lots of news, actually. Mel Gibson is in competition to possibly direct Suicide Squad 2. <laughs> so Suicide Squad did well enough at the box office that there is going to be a Suicide Squad 2. A suicide Squad was actually one of the best, like, got, had one of the highest grosses of 2016. Even really? though the movie sucked, uh... it made a shit ton of money. So Mel Gibson yeah. is in competition for the directorial spot, and there's also the director of Zombieland is in competition for it. Okay. And also the director of Warm Bodies. So there's a few different people that yeah, are what's, being what's mentioned. These people want a piece of this now. Something's going on here. Uh, I think comic book movies just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I smell shenanigans. I don't know what's going on here. Like, yeah. did everybody start thinking, like, oh, this is how Suicide Squad would have been so much better if I directed it? Maybe. That Maybe. or what you just said, Chris. Uh, you know, these, these comic book type films are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Why not get a piece of that if you can? I mean, honestly, if Mel Gibson directed a comic book movie, it would probably be pretty awesome. Yeah, he is a great director. I don't care about his personality problems, all the things he's gone through. The man makes really good, yeah, epic action flicks. I don't know if you, did you guys see Heart uh, Hacksaw Ridge? Not yet. No. 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 Oh, dude, it's brilliant. It's like old school Mel Gibson. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very. Was it good. Get the Gringo? He was in. Yeah. He didn't direct that though. I think he just acted. I think that. he just acted in that. that I never saw that. Fantastic movie. Yeah. It was. It was really great. Yeah. Hmm. He just still doesn't attach himself to shit. 
that's really what it comes down to. And I think if he directed well, yeah, something like that. Yeah, he's always like been that, a quality film. Yeah, he's yeah. Never, he's never done crap movies. He's just a crappy person. <laughs> yeah. Benedict Schnumbersnatch is going to star in a BBC adaptation of The Child in Time, Ooh. which I believe is going to be a movie mm-hmm. on BBC. Jack Black is going to join Joaquin Phoenix in the next Gus Van Zant huh. film. It's a biopic about John Ca- John Cal. Ah, I can't talk. John Callahan. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. So I mean, it seems like there's some pretty cool stuff going on. We're not talking all about remakes right now. No, there's like original content. Yeah, yeah. But one remake, Joe Carnahan is going to be remaking The Raid. Really? Huh. Yeah. Which could be pretty cool. He made Narc, which was mm. an awesome, awesome movie. Hmm. So that's my news for this week. All right. Yeah. Round of applause. Awesome. Come on. We Come did, on. We, we didn't have Kirsten here with the typewriter sounds. I know. Or was that Michelle? That was everybody's or tried H. it so far. Yeah. I, I, everybody's tried it. Everybody's tried it. Yeah. Uh, so cool. Yeah. 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 Big Very releases. Actively. Yeah. New releases. What do we got? Yep. We got yeah. The Great Wall starring Matt Damon as a Chinese person. Ricky. Not really. But we've got Fist Fight. Andrew actually already saw that, so we'll have a review up of that yeah. Thursday night at 7 p.m. Also, A Cure for Wellness is coming out. That's the one we talked about, that the looks, Helen Mirren. Hel- that Helen looks Mirren. really good. Andrew Will already Smith, saw it. Will Smith? No, I don't think Will Smith is in it. What am I, what am I thinking of? You're I thinking of something completely different. Yeah, you're thinking of something completely different. What movie am I thinking? Okay, anyways, go, go. A Cure for Wellness, it's like just this dark kind of gothic horror film. Yeah, set in a mental hospital. Yeah. Completely different when I was thinking. Completely different. It looks really, really good. I think it's already already out there is that film with Will Smith and uh, Helen Mirren in it where she plays like death. We oh yeah, yeah. You're, I can't remember the name of it, oh, but it's, um, it totally imp, flopped. Uh, collateral damage. Collateral. Or collateral, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Collateral. Forget it. That's tampons. I don't know. Collateral but, tampons. Yes. That's the movie. Yeah, yeah, that movie that I heard good things about from Scott and bad things about from everyone but Scott. Yeah. Are you talking about me? Yeah, you're. you're I didn't the only see the movie. I said. Oh, okay. I, I said it looked interesting. I didn't oh, say okay. it was a good movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where it you got, got pretty... that from? Put words in my mouth. I, no, I, I, saw, oh, I saw the trailer for oh, it. I, I thought it was interesting. Okay, oh. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So, suggested viewings. Suggested viewings. Anybody got one? I've got a really good one. Yeah, go actually. ahead. You can start. I hmm. saw a screener um, about two weeks ago called Drifter. Mm-hmm. I actually interviewed the director this week, Chris Van Hoffman. Mm-hmm. It's a very. Uh, how do you say it? Um, it's not discreet about being a tribute to a ton of different things. There's little bits of Mad Max yeah, thrown yeah. in there. Huh. There's tons of Texas Chainsaw Massacre thrown in there. A lot of the Hills Have Eyes in there. Very low budget, but very well done. Almost like a ah. tribute to a bunch of different movies all yeah. amalgamated into one short horror movie. It's about That's an cool. hour and 20 minutes. The guy's really cool. He's yeah. actually getting ready to make another movie, but his new release that's coming out this week or next week is called Drifter. If you're a horror fan, it's something you should see just because it's fun to watch it and go like, oh, okay, there's little bits and pieces yeah. just sprinkled all yeah. over this thing from different horror movies. And when I interviewed him, he actually said that's kind of how he wanted it to be. He wanted to get all of his 
inspiration or influences all thrown into this his first project so he could get that out of him so yeah, when he moves huh. on to his next project can focus. he can focus on what he really really wants to do yeah so yeah it's a cool little horror movie again we'll have an interview posted with him later this week so that's Fantastic. cool what do you guys got well also talking about good horror movies uh just a couple of days ago or just yesterday we posted my review of uh that new indie horror movie, The Unkindness of Ravens, from Scotland, that was really, really good. Um, yeah, it's the second film by the writer-director team who did that Lord of Tears mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and it was really interesting. I, yeah, like it's a sort of very artsy, very well-shot, surreal, like it's a horror movie, but it's also kind of a psychological drama that's yeah. really about like this traumatized uh, Af- Afghanistan vet dealing with his PTSD and all this creepy stuff is happening cool. with these like sort of medieval plague doctor looking bird people yeah. and it might be real or it might be his hallucinations and it really it's very psychological and really kind of messes with you yeah. and very subjective just the cover art had me interested yeah yeah and yeah that and it's it's really really well shot too is it yeah both of this guy's movies and just like the sorts of shots he gets especially just like the imagery that he finds out just like in the scottish countryside like he must just like scour yeah just scour and just be (laughs) really really patient to just like you know like he's got like like all these like really foreboding shots of like wolves feeding on carcasses and like oh like he just he found that yeah and like all these like just really foreboding just like found things in nature like he has all these shots where you just like find animals doing ominous stuff well, that takes a lot of work <laughs> yeah yeah. That's a oh, yeah. Of work to do stuff like that yeah so I highly highly recommend that one I uh, pulled you know with doing mm. the movie re- I'm sorry the do- the, the... The music, I'll just call them music documentaries because yeah. I've been kind of circling around all kinds of weird stuff, you know, within that arena. Uh, and I've I've really tried to, like, not go after all the stuff that I'm really into. I've tried to, like, watch films on bands, frankly, that I haven't followed that much. And that's the best way to do it. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you can learn a lot that way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I mean, I could easily just dive into all these documentaries and all my favorite metal bands, and that would be really easy. But, you know, I really want to learn some more stuff about artists that are more the foundation of music. Right. So mm-hmm. I've been doing that. However, this week I didn't do any of that. I indulged. <laughs> and Which is fine, too. I've been waiting for them to do uh, some, to actually put subtitles to it. And it's the one of my favorite bands of all time, Celtic Frost, from Switzerland. Uh, they did a short; it's like it's only an hour long documentary uh, about their final tour they did uh, before they finally just imploded it for the second time and final time <laughs> in two thousand six huh. and two thousand seven. They did a world tour, uh, Celtic Frost, um, in the on you know the more death metal, black metal circles as far as avant garde, dark art metal. Celtic Frost were the first band to ever do that, pretty much. Um, and their influence on the bands that I, I the majority of the bands I listen to is pretty much you. you they're like the Black Sabbath, like another Black Sabbath, basically. Right, right. Um, you just hear their music, you know. Uh, it, uh, Kurt Cobain was quoted uh, as, you know, literally. There's a quote from Kurt Cobain saying Celtic Frost was a huge influence on our music in Nirvana. Uh, so that kind of shows you how far. 
this music reached people huh. while never really, you know, achieving that massive status that they obviously deserved but never got. Uh, so the documentary, you know, without spoiling anything, is about there's some history lesson involved with it, which is always fun to see. Just even if you know everything like I do about the bangs, I'm a freaking nerd for these guys. Um, they're still fun to see the history and you get to talk to the members, the main members of the band, uh, and see some of the struggles what these guys have gone through and are going through at the time. Um, ultimately, which I, you know, it's a documentary. Um, the band self implodes again. That's kind of how it goes, right? And that's all I need to say about it. It's, <laughs> a, it's it's an hour long. It's not my favorite documentary I've seen on music. You know, a music documentary it, by far. It isn't my favorite, uh, but it's on one of my favorite bands, and it was a lot of fun to watch. So, highly recommend that. You can watch it on YouTube. It was not a major. It was it was it was one of them more or less shot on tour, and the director just wanted to put screen at a couple of festivals and that was it he didn't really care what happened to it after that so huh. you can watch it on youtube and the reason i did stay away from it like i said was because it was it was you know in swiss <laughs> or whatever it is and actually in german too uh there's a little bit of english mixed in there but i, I mean there was no subtitles so it's like oh how do i follow this thing you know right finally yeah. somebody subtitled it so i was able to like get through it finally so i was really happy to do that very cool very cool documentary a short view and if you like, you know, if you want to learn about a really great underground band like like Celtic Frost, you know, it's it's an easy one to digest. It isn't that much of an investment of time. So highly recommend it. It's called Celtic Frost, A Dying God. Huh. That's the actual name of, of the movie. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Before we get into our topics tonight, I just want to remind everybody we do have our contest going on this month for the Blu-ray giveaway. Ooh. Huh. Scott's favorite movie of all time. We got a Fuck brand new. Yeah, you, you're gonna, <laughs> nobody's going to take that. Dude. Oh, dude, there are so many entries on this contest. I said this already. already. I, no one's going to take that. Did you tell them what you're going to give them? Yeah. Yeah. There's like 2,500 entries and already. Everyone wants a Blu ray of fucking yoga hosers. Yoga hosers, yep. Well, but it, it is free through It's free. Contest, it's free. Though. It's yeah, free. It, it's free. And it's brand new. But turds so. are free, too. Yeah, well, I you don't really have to pay for a turd. And that's kind of what you get. <laughs> and I hate to shit on Kevin Smith like that, but I mean, that movie, I, it was some. It's bad, but there actually are some people that I've talked to people that actually really liked that movie. I liked the girls' interplay. Yeah, you know their 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 interplay was a lot of fun. They think they interacted very well, except for the whole parts where they're singing and that that. that you know, horrendous. if they had just concentrated and come up with a real story, it would have been a lot better. I mean, the 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 the, the tie-in with Tusk was fun. Yes, yes, we knew that was going to happen, right? But. <laughs> <laughs> What is there to say, dude? I love Kevin Smith so much. I, mean, I think we all love Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, visit the out, site. Man. Yeah. Listen to yeah. the podcast. <clears throat> enter to win a free copy of Yoga Hoser. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I apologize about shitting on the prize. It, Literally, it like, doesn't matter. You get this turd in the mail. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's free, dude. People want free stuff, and Fuck. we're here to give it to them. Yeah. There you yeah. go. No. And we're gonna be we're gonna have a prize every month now. As far if you're a collect, if you're if you're a collector. Yep. Yeah. You can't Why have that not? hole in your Kevin Smith well, you collection. Can't. If you're a yeah. completist like I am, yeah, and I'll end up buying a copy of that thing someday right. and not even unwrapping it. <laughs> just because just just, just I'm a completist and yep, I have everything. The yeah, there you go. Exactly. So good luck, everybody. Good luck. I hope you win. <laughs> <laughs> even just... when you win, you're still losing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, historical uh, films. Historical films. Per okay, let's just period films. Yeah. Yeah. It's a broad, broad well, we, subject. We, we yeah. Talk, it, it is. It, and, you know, 
no, I knew that when I suggested this too. But there's that's some, okay. It's it's some really cool stuff to talk about within this genre. Uh, I know we wanted to kind of get into what makes a great, yeah, period piece, historical film. <laughs> it's gonna be so hard to get through this conversation. I like. I love it. What, I love it. So let's get into it. What makes like let's let's brainstorm. What really makes a great historical film? I mean, really, a good period piece or historical film for me, obviously, it hinges on the acting and storing story. Yes, but yeah. I don't know why I can't talk tonight. Like, there's something wrong with my brain. No, just I, I, my nose is all dried out, so I'm having, I'm struggling to it's get from all that blow you did last night. Oh, good, yeah, I party. Yeah, <laughs> partied hard, man. You and Fat Jesus. Me and Fat Jesus. <laughs> those were the. I, no, I never did that. No, I've never. No. I've had a couple. In case anybody from work is listening, yeah. I've never touched that. I've been a good guy, and I mean that. I'm not lying. I'm dead serious. Anyways, but what the fuck do we? I'm not historical lying. films. <laughs> okay. Historical film. <laughs> historical film. Move on. What, what makes okay. a great historical film, Chris? What set design? Guess... Set design. Set design. Okay. Set Feeling design. like you're actually there. Yeah makes it sucks me in it makes me feel like i'm actually experiencing that era Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing like if you're watching a movie like once upon a time in america yeah or the godfather those films are shot to actually make you feel like you're there yes and it's not just the film that they're using the film stock it is the coloration yeah and the lighting because you know Uh uh-huh Every decade has a different style that they go by with wallpaper or plaster or the general lighting they're using in the rooms. Yeah. And like when you watch something like The Godfather, which by all means is a period film. Yeah. The original one. It really is. Absolutely. And you know, I can't believe I didn't. I'm a shithead. So I didn't put that on my list. That's okay. And I, and That's I, okay. There's a lot of them. Yeah. But those scenes, like when they're in Don Corleone's office. That's. Those the are lighting, my yeah. it makes you feel like you are there. Yeah. And I think that is one of the most important things. Also, vehicles. You know, yes. making sure the vehicles are period specific. Because you've seen movies before where they've mixed that up and you're like, wait a second. Like, I'm not in the moment yeah, anymore. You, you catch you catch that stuff well, and you get pulled out of the moment. Well, yeah. I mean, that's always been my, I think, the most impressive. One of the most impressive features of a historical piece is the amount of front-end work you have to do before you even start shooting the damn thing. Right. I oh, mean, yeah. To really make it look great, you have to go back. And, I mean, you've, we've heard, so well, yeah, we had to go to a junkyard and refurbish all these cars, basically, just yep. to put them on the street so they look this, this, so this looked right. You know? Yeah, I mean uh, that's got to be the hardest era in a sense of period films to do is like, like the first half of the post-industrial area. Yeah, where yeah, you're, you're where building you have, cars, yeah, the, the cars yeah. you have to make like cities that still exist look like they used to back then. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, that's why you see very very few low budget period pieces, unless it's. I well, mean, you know, like if you get to like, you know, if you're in like a manor house in the middle of the countryside well, I, or something, you can pull that off a little easier. But yeah, westerns, you can pull. I think you can pull them off a little easier. Yeah, I mean, well, I know. well you, you need the like the towns. If you if, if that's I mean, the case, I mean, but yeah. they have a lot of existing sets for that stuff yeah. that they refurbish yeah. and reuse. Mm-hmm. I'll use Ben Affleck's movie that was just out last month, yeah. Live by Night. The movie was tragic. It was tragically bad. 
it was a horrendous movie that I wanted to, I would have walked out of if I did not pay to see it. Yes. It was, it was that bad. It's that bad. It's unwatchable. And I think that is probably why they pulled the Batman, why he's not directing it now because the movie, I mean, it made nothing made nothing. It was like an 85 or $90 million motion picture. Yeah. And opening weekend, it made like five or six million. Oh my like, God. It was bad, it's bad. Bath on That's that. like the first of his films as a director that it's hard, hasn't been It's hard to great, watch. Though. People were moaning and groaning through it. Oh my God. But, but it's a period piece. And the one thing he did get right, the costumes look awesome. The cars are all there. The cities, they've basically gone back in time. You're in a virtual time machine in the movie. Yeah. And that's the one thing he did really yeah. well on. In that part, I yeah. could enjoy. Now, the movie itself was a different story. Yeah. So. Yeah. See, I, I really, really love like film noirs like that. That's one of my favorite types of period film, broadly speaking. Like that, or like L.A. Confidential, oh, yeah. of course, being another prime example. And again, it really like it puts you in that world. Yeah, yeah. the the mise en scène, if you will. Yeah, the vehicles, the buildings, the costumes, but also the like in that one especially, like just the the way that the way that people talk, like the the slang, dialogue. the expressions, mm-hmm. like the inflection of yeah. like how people kind of talked a little different back yep. then. <clears throat> Yeah, you, know, you mentioned you mentioned mise en scène. Uh, one of my favorite films, and I think I, we've we've mentioned it on here a couple of times, which kind of mixes these elements, which I've I found fascinating, is the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. And oh, yeah, seen that. that's amazing. That's a really unique looking film, not only for each set because there's really only uh, one, two, three, three and a half, four, maybe five sets in the whole movie, right? Yeah. However, they mix these weird elements. French restaurant in England with gangsters who dress like, you know, they dress like Dutchmen driving old 60s and 70s muscle American muscle cars. Yeah, but when you see the exteriors of the buildings, it's like this vaguely dystopian. Yeah. Like you don't really know yeah, when it's right? set. Yeah, so that's kind of, it makes it very ambiguous. Like, what? where the hell are we? What is this? What time are we at? And I mean, that hmm. applies but doesn't apply here because there's films, I think, in this list that I know we're going to get into, that we all have different ideas here. Yeah. They're not just set in one era. Right. There's some films that cross multiple eras. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, that, you, mentioned, you mentioned that, and I, I, I wanted to just shove that in there. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that's... A, it's a very unique take on films. Uh, as far, and The Cook, The Thief, it's one of my favorite films of all time. Oh, yeah. I that love that movie. Because it's got all those cool, weird elements like that, right? Mm-hmm. So... We said like set design, key, crucial. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you yeah. know, you know that that's a given. Um, and you know, you mentioned The Godfather, as far as a period piece. The sets in that film, especially The Office, and that's I think that's a lot of people's favorite scenes. Yeah, are in The Office because to me it's so fucking dark, and that's what it was like. You know, in yeah. those eras, it was dark. I remember like. Even when I was growing, like growing up in like in the late seventies, early eighties, like you go to a remember when we go to a restaurant, Chris? We're the same age. Yeah, you go to a restaurant back in those days as a kid. They were dark. They yes, were quiet. Yeah, right. Absolutely, it was a relaxing atmosphere. 
Mm. Restaurants aren't like that no more. Now they're all clanky and they're clanky, active. loud. They got loud music. There's people running around. It's a whole different atmosphere, right? I mean, you want if you want that atmosphere, you got to pay more for it. Now you got to go to more of a higher mm-hmm. end restaurant. But back then, all the restaurants had that, and that that's the atmosphere of of Vito Corleone's office. To yeah, me. that feel is yeah. the darkness. In that relaxing atmosphere while they're talking about heavy shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, heavy shit's going It's a down. dynamic setting is what it is. It's a, be- yeah, it's a yes, dynamic absolutely. setting. Yes. So, yeah, as far as that, I mean, yeah, I don't think you can really touch, top the Godfather as far as set design. Uh, Everything. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's act. I mean, the, the performances. I mean... <laughs> yeah. That's like, a, yeah. We're, we're setting the bar really high out of the top, out of the gate here. Yeah. But... You can't really touch that film. Yeah, and again, um, the very careful use of the of the language and the kind of expressions that people use that sort of sets it yeah. in that past. Which means, I mean, which, again, from the front end, I mean, the, the cast has to prep themselves to death for this stuff. Uh, this is, you know, along with just the set building and all the things that go around that. The cast, I mean... And we know it goes into actually, and we're not. I don't think any of us are professional actors, but we've watched enough. We've nerded out enough on our favorite movies. Oh yeah, to watch all the cast screening type press. You know, sitting there testing and trying things and sitting in a room and yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's enough prep just doing a, a modern day film, uh, trying to do a period piece. Like, well, this is how you gotta talk. Cause this is how they talked back then. Yeah, you learning need to figure the, this shit out. Yeah, learning the like the dialects and the mannerisms and whatnot is very. Yeah. important because that's you can really really tell like when there's an actor who's playing the role in a like modern way in a period film yeah and he's acting like he would in a modern setting and it really really stands out take billy zane in uh titanic yeah. or probably the worst mm. offender i can think of is carrie elwes in the francis ford coppola dracula he yeah. is such a '90s guy, yeah, in Victorian England, yeah, in that movie, <laughs> yeah. and and I I love I love that movie in terms of everything else we've talked about, like yeah. the costumes, the sets, the lighting, the kind of channeling what films looked yeah. like at that time, the early 20th century. Like it's such a well done movie, but then. You know, the the studio made him cast these, like, super modern, young 90s actors. Very one-dimensional, too. I mean, mean, and as much as I hate to give the guy lip service, I'm going to do it. A man like Tom Hanks, uh, Cloud Atlas, a film you guys turned me on to. Yeah. And again, this is where I mentioned, like, and this is what comes back to the point of, like, the greats, the great actors and actresses out there who can pretty much study something and emulate it. I mean, which looks yeah. easy. <laughs> Bullshit. Very difficult. Cloud Atlas is one of those films where they, they again, revolve between... And that, that's a very unique film because of how it, how, how it all plays out, how the stories play out. But there's all these different eras. And to be honest with you, there was a couple of... couple With Tom Hanks himself... A couple of those errors, I didn't even know it was Tom Hanks. Yeah. I had yeah. no friggin' clue. The makeup is pretty fabulous. Well, not, in that not movie. even the make the performances. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. He yeah. was speaking a different, complete different dialect. I mean, not just a different accent. I mean, he had the entire dialect down to the point. And that's one of the greats. 
obviously, as a reason, you know, well, that's, and that's look what at a his, professional is. Look right? at his performance in Road to Perdition. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, yeah. another yeah. really, it's really another amazing modern he, noir. Yeah. I'm going to kill this microphone any minute. <laughs> Here, I'm good. I'm going to hold it. We're yep. fine. I'll do this the rest of the show. Okay. So that comes back to what that comes back to my point, though, is just, yeah, the greats can take these roles, they study them, and they can emulate that. Are, oh, dude, you're actually teching me right now? Yep. Oh, wow. My little tech boy's here to help me out. That's what the kids are calling it these days. <laughs> Thank you. It came loose again. This thing's a, this, the nut on this thing is ridiculous. We're going to have to fix this after the show. So, yeah, Cloud Atlas, to me, that's a, that's one of those ideas. You know, if this was like episode one or episode two of this podcast yeah. and you said nut, it would have been all over. Oh, yeah. They, they, we've, uh, we've matured so much. Off it's to the insane. weeds we go. Yep. <laughs> so, that's... <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. Call yeah, like now, now we just have, like, meta dick jokes. Yes. Meta <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, obviously we've said the we've said the set, <laughs> casting, delivery, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, the, and there's I'm sure there's all types of other little elements, but I think those are the two big pieces of what makes a great. <clears throat> like when you watch one the first time, you know that you, that first time you watch it, you're gonna you're gonna pull out you know the macro I guess the macrocosm of what you really like you know oh this is the broad strokes of what I like and if you really love a film like we all do we go back and watch it over and over and that's when we start Mm -hmm. getting all the little details out start really getting nerdy like we did on that fucking alien show a few weeks ago that shows you people who have watched those films over and and over and over over again right yeah Um, and that's what makes films fun but those I think are two like the bigger, broader strokes on what makes a really great historical piece, a period film, right? Yeah. So, based on that, I think we should just get to the fun part and get into what our favorite films are. So, Chris, I'm gonna just you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it because nobody else will. I already mentioned this movie earlier, but Titanic. Yeah. Other than the some of the shitty CGI that doesn't really hold up very well now. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's very claustrophobic. It's all on that ship. Yeah. The costume design in that film is like spot on. Oh yes, Leonardo DiCaprio is another one of those actors, just like Tom Hanks. The shit that he can, can just—he can do anything yeah. you throw at him now. Yeah, <clears throat> and I know a lot of people think the movie's corny or whatnot, and there's problems. It's a problematic film because it is very like pop culture oriented now for the time. Yeah, and now it well, yeah, but. You know, realistically, when they're venturing throughout the ship and they're showing the different levels and different areas they're in, in where the poor people were at and where the rich people were at, and just the general the general way the movie was shot. Yeah. Oh yeah. You get a you get a feeling that you are actually experiencing a period in time, not only you know just the material things that are surrounding them but you also get the emotional context of the people that are traveling on that ship that are trying to get to the u.s oh yeah there's there's a lot of different layers to that movie that a lot of people don't see it's more about the romantic part of it no and that's i think that's the focus and i'm gonna admit something right now i've boycotted that film I yeah. never sat. I've never seen that film all the way through. I've only seen seen bits and pieces <clears throat> of it because I happen to have a little hobby on the side where I study the Titanic. 
Okay. And the disaster and all the conspiracy theories around it and all the right. factual things around it, right? Mm-hmm. So when that and that was going this is going back many years even like before all my nerd ghost shit that I'm into, right? So when that movie came out, what really pissed me off about that movie was when it came out, all of a sudden it's like, "Oh my god, what a tragedy that was." I'm like, "Yeah, it happened it happened 100, 100 years, years ago." ago. Read a fucking book. <laughs> well, you know, but on the, you can't get mad at a movie not, because it made people aware of the historical you're, event. And you're right. Like, that's you're right. Uh, get, you're that's right. getting very much into the, like, you know, I was into it before it was cool, so fuck you posers kind of thing. I know that's not what you're saying. But I know. It no, gets, no, you're right. You're right. I agree. And it, I, it, it, but it irked me. Yeah. Well, it irked me. I get, but see, I think because you're, because you are... Like, into that, I almost feel like you would enjoy the film more, because what Chris was getting into is just, like, the level of... What always impresses me so much is just the level of attention to detail in that film. Like, everything, like, like the the dishes that they use are, Mm -hmm. like, replicas of the dishes. Like, every detail, detail. because James Cameron is such a meticulous... Meticulous guy. and And what I found even more interesting than the film itself, and you know what? Point taken. I really should sit down and watch the movie. You should, yeah. <laughs> For somebody who studies that, I mean, has books on this shit oh, yeah. like I do, uh, I really should sit down and give the movie a shot. Uh, the, for example, the, there are, like you're talking about the detail, the grand scare, staircase that, that you've always heard about, even from books about the Titanic. I know in the film they actually built an exact down to the down to the millimeter blueprint replica of that grand staircase for the oh, sole yeah. purpose of destroying it. Yeah, well, for Just all, thing. all the sets and everything, it's, like, all recreated as exactly yeah, yeah. as possible. And, but, like, and with, with everything in that yeah. film, yeah, the, the ship everything on it, just, like, all the, like, you know, just the throwaway lines and details yeah. of, like, just, like, you know, what food they're serving and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But also, like, what Chris was saying, when you're seeing all the different, like, like, all the sort of, like, microcosms of, like, culture and identity yeah. and where everybody's from and yeah. like the dialects and kind of just like the attitudes of everything and you know like the like the All snobby right. so upper I'm class taking home, the... i'm taking homework away from this show yeah yeah i'm gonna finally pull my head out of my ass after what 18 years that movie's yeah. been out and i'll finally sit down this week and actually watch yeah. it well you know say i when it came out i really liked it uh-huh. and then there was that time like everybody where like that movie reached oversaturation point in that fucking Celine Dion song that still when it happens it pulls you out of the movie because like it doesn't belong there it's it's just cheesy and it just got like way overplayed and so for a while like like I had it like oh fuck that movie I'm flying and and then like when like after after a while you know like when enough time had passed that like we had left behind the oversaturation era I watched it again in college and Realize, like, okay, no, there's a reason it's, why um, yeah. this was the pop it's not gonna be a monster shit that it was. Movie. Like, it's 20 years. Actually, it's 20 years. Really good. It came out in 97. I mean, yeah, it's a James damn. Cameron film. We both, we all know it's not going to be shit. Yeah. It's going to be a no, fantastic it's, movie. It's honestly, it is, yeah, like, it I mean, is That's just my film. whole thing. I guess that's, and that's what going back to that point yeah. was just that. Like, there, I know that there's a plot hook there with the whole love story. And I'm like, dude. Yeah, but it's. There's a lot of people in love on that shit. Again, I'm I'm taking I, I yeah, shouldn't. Like you, I'm you, taking it personal. You need you need a protagonist or two. Like you yeah, can't. You're have right. just, you're it right. can't be a total ensemble piece. I will I will say yeah. Like as 
you know, as occasionally kind of contrived or cheesy as the yeah. love story side of it comes off, it is way, way... I mean, it's it's a well-done love story, and it's much better than the other cash-in on that type of formula period piece based around a love story that was Pearl Harbor. Oh. Yeah, that is... <laughs> oh. Now there's there's a Thank that's you, how yeah. you don't do a period film. <laughs> well, you turn it into a action spectacle. Yeah, it was it was a complete feast for the eyes. Yeah. It was insane yeah. looking, and it it lacks everything that we're talking about with what makes a good. I think the crux of what we were talking about before with the, like what makes a good period piece is both the actors and the writer and director have to be able to get in the headspace of the time and yeah. like really like feel that era. And you know, well, and Michael see, Bay can't do that. I saw, <laughs> I saw Pearl Harbor like opening day because I was really excited to see it. Yeah, so yeah. was I. You know, because I loved Armageddon, which was just silly, dumb fun. Yeah. But Pearl Harbor, it just like the first half of it is really good, but when they start to get into the action portion of it, they like kind of almost change history. Yeah, yeah they in, do. Yeah, it 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 falls apart. Yeah, like the, it, the kids playing baseball at five in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Now, some you did you said something about Titanic where you know the Celine Dion song kind of threw the whole thing off. Yeah. Another movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio that did the same thing was The Great Gatsby. Yep. The movie itself is awesome. Well, it's got, and it's and I love Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, but then Baz Luhrmann always does this weird thing where he has to try to mix modern music into yeah. a period piece. Now, it worked with... Uh, Django Mo- Unchained. Django Unchained, they did the same thing. And Leo is also a part of that. That's with right. With the cavalry going to, the, going to, his, uh, to his home... And it was like it was like they're playing like some gangster gangster rap. It like takes you yeah. out. But that but that what I liked about that what the fuck am I missing? What are you guys laughing at me for? <laughs> Nothing. It's true. Take, taking us taking us on a sharp left turn there. But it's true. It, it, what? No. Yeah. What? Where am I? My whole impression of that. Well, okay, go ahead. What were you gonna say? You were about to mention Moulin Rouge, weren't you? I was about to mention so Moulin about Rouge. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Moulin Rouge, the um, the modern music mixed into the story, it yeah. worked just because we already kind of knew that's what we were getting. Yeah, yeah, but then it was with the, so stylized. Right, with the Great Gatsby, it wasn't that stylized. Yeah. Everything looked really cool. The acting was great, but then he threw modern hip hop into a film about the twenties, yeah. and it was like, dude, you just ruined a great movie with bad music. Yeah. And what I've always wanted to see is that movie re-edited with proper, proper period proper score. specific score. Yeah, because yeah, I get the concept of well, the juxtaposition's kind of neat. Yeah, like I get. It. Yeah, it's he cool. was trying to make a point about yeah. how timeless the story is, but I think he did it in a very ham-fisted, too obvious way. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, <clears throat> yeah, that's because I mean that's. It's almost like a trope by yeah. this point. Like, oh, yeah, take these, like, you know, period, vaguely gangster stories and connect it to modern hip-hop culture. And, oh, isn't that, like, an edgy take on period stuff? Like, no, it's you sort know, of a... It's a trope in itself. Yes. It's funny because one, one of my... It's modern day, but same idea. There's actually a very... It's just one little cut from The Sopranos. Mm. It's It's... 
it may be in season, oh my God, season five, where, no, it was season six, I think, when Tony got shot and he was in the hospital. Um, <clears throat> there was another gangster rapper guy that got shot, was in the hospital there too, and he was some hospital yeah, dude. Yeah. And there's an actual scene where Tony Soprano, like they're all going to watch a baseball game or something, and Tony Soprano walks in the room to watch the game with them, and the, the, the gangster rapper dude goes, oh, Tony Soprano original gangster and he kind of looks at him and goes yeah whatever it turns around and walks away right? yeah. yeah because i think and it was kind of like a like a like dude no you don't even know what this is really about right and i whenever i i do see that like you know real criminals like real gangsters so yeah. like i don't want people to know about this shit leave me alone stop that right um i did and, and going back to that Django and chain thing there was yeah there's there's a cut of yeah that, which i thought worked I it, thought it was kind of fun. It was just only one little sequence. If it if it's done properly, yeah. it can work. I'm just saying, like, there are movies where it doesn't. No, no. Yeah. Django, it works. I think the whole damn movie is going to throw you off. But, I mean, just a one yeah. little cut like Quentin Tarantino will do will throw... And, that, and, and really, it was like that. It was like that gangster rap music. And those guys could have been riding in carriages, or they could have been driving in Benzes. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have mattered, right? Because it was the same idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I think what also kind of heard it with the great gatsby is that that is an aesthetic and an era that we very firmly associate with a really specific kind of music yeah yes so like that really like underscores that like kind of jazz big distance. band music yeah swing like, swing yeah. yeah like that's like there's like we you sort of go into that movie knowing what the score should sound like yeah i always know what the score should be yo throwing another one out there speaking <laughs> not even gonna respond to that <laughs> Speaking of Quentin Tarantino, because he's he's been on the big period film kick here mm-hmm. for the last yeah. like seven or eight years now. Um, Inglorious Bastards, and I know I know this is a remake from the seven was seventy like seventy eight. It's not really a remake. It's, it's, though. it's a it's, different story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was inspired. Yes. So the names the names spelled differently. Right. Whatever. Yeah. But. As far as a period piece is concerned, uh, Django Unchained look. Pr- I mean, the last three he's done, like the Hateful Eight, J- Django Unchained, going back to Inglorious Bastards, they're all to me they're all period films. Um, yeah, Inglorious yeah. Bastards is the one that looks the best in chronological like going down Inglorious Bastards, uh, Hateful Eight, and then Django Unchained. As far as like you know, best the best the least. For yeah, Inglorious Bastards just looks so damn good. Oh, it's dude. an incredible looking movie. Uh, all of the <clears throat> sets are just, to me, just down to like, you know, the, the pipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the pipe, you know, in the, in the opening sequence, which is like some of the most tense film I've seen in the last 20 years. Uh, when he just breaks out that big uh, bone pipe. It's like the fucking detail here. You could you could taste the tobacco. You really could. Yeah. Right. Um, just all those, you know, just the look of the film. Um the, the the delivery Christopher Waltz Christoph Waltz sorry Christoph Waltz uh, mm. just own that film <laughs> well you're into him aren't you no yeah Christoph yeah. Waltz uh, his <laughs> delivery in that film you know along with all of the other films he was fantastic he was in but in that movie he really stuck out those three Inglorious Bastards to me is one of those really fantastic period type films with that Quentin Tarantino turn on it you know which always yeah makes, makes it very interesting but I remember when I Heard the idea you know, when Inglorious Bastards was being dealt with, and that was the one I think that he was going to scrap it because the the uh, the screenplay uh, the the script got leaked. I think I thought it was no, no that was that hateful was, eight. Was it hateful eight? eight? Yeah. Okay, I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so that film 
the idea that I, you know, he was going to be doing a war film, like a historical war piece to me. I'm like, wait, I just want to hear. Yeah, people Dick were jokes uh, and gangster. There films. were yeah. a lot of people were thrown by that when he yeah. said he was going to do it, and then and he, the he, trailer came out. Yeah, and that's when people were like, "Holy shit, we're on board with he this!" He knocked now. it out of the ballpark, yeah. and he has for all three of the films. Yeah, I mean, no matter absolutely. what your favorite ones are, they're all fantastic. They're all epic in nature, so you can't, you can't. But that one to me, Inglorious Bastards, really sticks out. But that opening sequence, it's like the same thing as The Office and The Godfather. Yeah. Everything in the surroundings, you are taken into that period of time. You feel like you're in this old, dingy cabin in the middle of a field during World War II. The milk. The milk. That that scene where he just takes the milk and just takes a sip. You know, Christoph Waltz, so graceful. Just, just moves like just like he's moving through water all the time and just mm, you can taste the fucking milk man it was just so (laughs) cool i mean and that whole film's amazing but though to me those first like that first like 10 15 minutes holy shit dude you can just you're there like you said you're there there, like in like in in vito corleone's office yep moving on yeah i mentioned i mentioned this one a couple weeks ago Mm. cold mountain never saw it Tell I me actually, all I actually never saw it either. I've Cold heard Mountain it's excellent. is excellent. It's it's centered on three women: Natalie Portman and uh, what's her name, Renee Zellweger and Nicole Kidman, mm-hmm. and it just gets that same feel, that dirty feel. You know, they live out in the middle of the country, yeah, but yeah. everything looks great and you get the scenes out in the woods with the Mm -hmm. men and all these nasty things are happening around them Mm -hmm. but it gets the period perfect and that's really what i want to see when i watch one of these movies Mm -hmm. every time otherwise i'm taken out of it yeah and that idea that you just mentioned that a lot of these periods in the past were really dirty Mm -hmm. like that was something that i really loved about the coen brothers true grit that like you know yeah. you think of I've got like that on typical my list. Hollywood westerns yep. are like really you know like they were really stylized and really like you know romanticized uh. and clean and stuff and then you look at that one like no the old west was like dirty and violent and, and just a really like grim yeah. place and again dark all the interiors you know like it's candlelight's like dark interiors mm-hmm. everything's yeah. dirty and just like that really just like gritty just like yeah you felt like you were in the in the dirt like it felt very cold and Mm -hmm. inhospitable well yeah you you didn't have central air you didn't have a furnace you know and i be and i always laugh about that because of all the the luxuries we have now uh we really do take that stuff for granted you know and while we're on that that thread i this kind of ties in with that the, the clint eastwood sergio leone spaghetti westerns Right, as far as period type films, yeah, which were old films now, doing period type films then, um, which had a different look to them, like the, like the Sergio Leones, which which obviously are a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more, and the good and bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they're all which, very dingy looking. Well, they're dingy looking. They're dirtier than hell. Yeah, and there's the great scenes where they finally get a bath. Like they go to, you know, it, yeah. the good, bad, the ugly. There is a scene, you know, where he goes to the barber and's like, you know, I'm going to get a bath and a shave. And like, that's something that you think about that now. Like we get up every day. I know sometimes I take two showers a day. 
don't think anything about it, right? Right. But back then, you're on the plane for like two, two, three weeks. Yeah. And if you're lucky, you you find a town where you might have a couple of shillings to get yourself a bath. Mm-hmm. Other than that, dude, you're shit out of luck. You find a river, you might be able to go in there and wait around, wiggle your ass a little bit. But and then that's you get about leeches it. on your scrotum. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, like that idea right there, like. That yeah. takes me into that, that like, wow, that's dirty, right? And those, I mean, without, I mean, those really don't need much of an introduction. Those those three films right there, as far as period pieces, uh, they're incredible, including Clint Eastwood, the Clint, e- Clint Eastwood and Ted Post directed uh, Hang Em High, another one that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Clint Eastwood with Don Siegel directing uh, Two Meals for Sister Sarah, which is mm-hmm. a kind of a different spin on the Western. Uh, more of a twist, you know, as far as that. And then now you're talking about dingy and dark, as far as the Clint Eastwood Western type thing, because those are my favorite things Clint Eastwood ever did. Um, he, high, well, not high. High Plains Drifter was still kind of on that so that whole. I think it was. It looked more like a spaghetti western. To be yeah, it did. You. It did um, for sure. But Unforgiven. 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 Yeah. Now that's a dark fucking movie, man. It I mean, is. Yes. Dark as hell. Through the pretty much even even. It's one of those ones, like I say, like Flatliners. Even when it's daytime, it's still nighttime. Like the way it was shot, the original yeah. Flatliners. It yeah. just had a dark tint to the how you know how they how they tinted the film itself in post. I think, um, Unforgiven, lots of candles. Yep, lots of candles, man. You you had no light in that film, and it was gritty. It was muddy. It was wet. It stunk. You could smell the mildew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I think that that and uh, the True Grit remake, I definitely group together into yeah. that very particular, like very much like the anti old school Hollywood western. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Except for I, I, I got to point out in the True Grit remake, which I loved, got a yeah. copy of it. It's really great. The snakes, they could have done a better job with the the, the CGI rattlesnakes. I I don't even remember. I don't remember anymore well, either. This is coming from a snake nerd. So the CGI rattlesnakes, when they show her getting bit up by the rattlesnakes, they looked a little they looked a little goofy to me as far as like yeah. how they moved. But that's you know that's still forgiven. Yeah. Um, it's unforgiven. <laughs> but as far as the sets, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic film. Totally. Yeah. Like, that was the only thing I I noticed. I'm like, that's eh, like a little fake to me. But hey, you know what are you gonna do? So yeah, dirty grit. I mean. Those, I mean, just that, along with True Grit right there. Yeah. No, no pun intended. <laughs> Fantastic. Really take you in to that whole Western culture. What mm-hmm. about the ultimate period film of all time? What's that? Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Fantastic. It's incredible. Let's move on. Gone, <laughs> Gone with the Wind is one of those films, like, what I I can appreciate why it is really groundbreaking. Yeah. I can appreciate all the attention to detail. It is a very well-crafted film. That said, I really did not enjoy it. It's a hard watch. Yeah. Now, for our parents, though, you know, they grew up with that movie, and for them, that was like a sweeping epic. Yeah. Like, for people that are older than us, like, I totally get why it's such a big deal still, because that was like... Like us seeing Goodfellas the first time or the right oh. stuff for the first time yeah. or the Godfather, the Godfather for the first time. Yeah. For them, that was like their three hour grand scale epic that had all, you know, Vivian Lee, you know, all these <clears throat> actors and actresses in it that they were growing up with at yeah. that time. So, yeah. but the movie still 
it's pretty astounding the amount of detail that went into it and it's another one of those that gets down the um the different you know different cultures you know slave culture and the culture of the slave owners and all of that it really kind of it gets it all and it's it is groundbreaking still yeah Yeah. so technically speaking yeah it's so and I mean, just like you know, pre CGI, like the the crowds are real crowds. Yeah, and yeah. all. The, yeah, and I mean, from a technical standpoint, it's fantastic. It's my my <laughs> my issue with it was just more that like I just didn't really care about her as a yeah. main character. It's very much like she's this like bitch, rich slave owner, and we're supposed to care about her first world problems. Right. <laughs> and like, yes, I know she's in a war and her life is getting turned upside down, but like she's still, you know, kinda on the wrong side of all that. <laughs> she's that on the wrong side of history. <laughs> on her plantation. Yeah. Like I don't like you could only I, you could only feel so yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um here, let's switch gears. Okay. Amadeus. Dude, that was, what I was just, <laughs> That's what I was just about. That's what I was just about to say too. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes. I could watch that movie over and over and over again. Yeah. It was one of those ones that stuck with me. I mean, there's a lot of films I think we've watched when we were younger that we liked and we grew out of them. Amadeus was not one of those, man. I can watch that movie over and yeah. over. It is such a fucking fun movie to watch. I think it it's because we're, you know, if you're a musician, you can really appreciate the creative process. And especially uh, in some of the later film uh, parts of that film, I think, uh, where, you know, he's he's le- he's dying. Yeah. Right? Uh, seeing the passion still mm-hmm. in the character. Who, who to help? Yeah, are you looking at who, who to help play that character? It was character? Tom, Tom Hulse. Hulse who was yeah. also in uh, Animal House. He actually went from Animal House and played fucking Wolfgang Amadeus. <laughs> Amadeus. And really, the funny yeah. thing is, is that, you know, he did some movies, but he... He's only been in 31 films he in his career. No. no, the last thing he did was Jumper in 2008. He had a, a part in that. Huh. But everything else he did um, appeared on Frasier once. Wings of Courage was a movie he was in. So he's got something else to do with the last, yeah, The actor. last big movie he actually did was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. In 94. And then he was in Fearless with Jeff Bridges in 93. But other than that... He really just did, um, he did the voice of Quasimodo for the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. And he did that, uh, he did the character for a video game. He did it for the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney animated film. Yeah. And then did a voice for a sing-along songs release of theirs. And then did the video release of the Hunchback of Notre Dame too. But he really kind of just bailed. On uh, Hollywood, Found I'm not sure why. Weird, huh? Yeah, I wonder. Because he's a good actor. Damn, yeah, he was good really actor. good. And Amadeus, uh, yeah, Amadeus, Amadeus. Nailed. Oh God, we just were just talking about Falco. The guy died in a car accident. Yeah, he did. That guy, I didn't know that. I mean, I knew that. I think I learned that just a couple of years ago. And this, he's been gone for a long time. Um, that film. I mean, what is there to say? There's again. I think it's the details. Yeah, that we've talked about like. For example, for me, there's the scene before one of his ensembles where him and his wife are like, well, I think it was before they were even married. Uh, they were flirting around like in a back room with all these candies, like all these like just top shelf food being waited to be consumed. And they just show all these like truffles 
like him eating truffles. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at like they show you the detail, like you know, you can tell it's like a handmade candy. And right. I it just it's those li- I've always looked for that little shit myself. Yeah. Right. And it was those little things that I saw. I'm like, wow, that's super cool. That's like really looks great. And then I think just his delivery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the character. That's- he's he's actually not retired. He's actually producing shows on Broadway, including Spring Awakening, and he was one of the producers on the Green Day. Uh, uh, stage show, American oh, no. Idiot. So okay, he's, so he might have shifted away from film. He shifted away theater. from film into doing theater. Yeah, well, that's yeah, cool. Go. Yeah, I'm glad he's doing something. Yeah, you know, because he is a history like that. I mean, when you have Amadeus and Animal House under your belt, um, you you can stay. You can pretty much do whatever you want. I think he was in Parenthood too with <laughs> Steve Martin. Oh yeah, yeah, he he is, that. yeah, he is. Yeah, oh, Steve yeah. Martin's like troubled younger troubled. brother. Yeah, trying yeah, to get money I remember that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, cool. They're slick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> we were seeing a long time ago. Yeah, you know, something that's interesting about his performance in Amadeus, though, is that that is a rare case of like he plays that character very modern and definitely comes off as a very like modern persona, but mm-hmm. it really works. Oh yeah. yeah, and that's a it's a rare time in a movie where like that sort of dissonance of like being a really modern character in a period film works very well. Yeah. Uh, beautiful. I, 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 what else is there to say? <laughs> That's a really good. Play. F. Murray Abraham is excellent in that movie too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he really is the star. Yeah. Yeah. He really is the star of the film. Um, the villain. The villain. Uh, it just looks so damn good, and there's just so much. There's so much density to the film, and it's one of those ones that just goes right by for me. It's just that good. You, yep. you lose track of time. You lose yeah. yourself in it. Um. Uh, and it's sad, you know. There, I mean, we every it's an old film, so we can spoil, I guess, a little bit here. Yeah. Just, just what really breaks me up is how you know at the end when he dies, and they literally just take him on a cart and just dump him into a hole, throw a little lie on him, and that's it. Yep. It's like that's Wolfgang that's Amadeus Mozart. Mozart. Yeah. That's like the man, dude. Yeah. I mean, but that's just you know, and when you're dead, it don't mean shit. <laughs> it did. I think, they, and I think they intentionally showed that just to show like okay this is the futility of life here man uh when you're gone it don't matter we don't care about you all the great works you did you just go the same way like anybody else he also died broke though i think too yes he he did he died totally broke oh they 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 jacked him around he did not get paid for half of his works that he was licensed to and stuff like that yeah oh yeah well i mean there's so many so many great artists like that yeah don't really get paid or properly appreciated in their lifetime I saw another screener a couple of weeks ago that I gave a glowing review to. It's called Brimstone. Mm-hmm. When this thing gets released, you guys have to see it. You have to see this movie. Yeah. It's about two hours and 40 minutes long. Yeah. It takes place during the Western era, but it's not about men. It's mostly about women, much like Cold Cold Mountain was. It stars Dakota Fanning oh. in her first like real adult role, and it stars Guy Pierce as the villain and I love again yeah he plays a preacher in this movie but he's an evil preacher and i mean this movie is i'll just say it's fucking brutal there's rapes oh. there's tongues being cut out oh. there's beatings Can't there's the murders there's everything that you can imagine all bad this great happening. stuff packed in the one film you, you gotta but, see it but it gets the period right. Yeah. It's another one of those that you just feel the dirt in. The sets are perfect. And it's weird. This movie is getting very little 
noticed. They're really not publicizing it a lot, but it is one of the best movies I've seen in a really long time, and it's a period piece. Huh. Yeah. And oh, it's really interesting. And it, it is. It's a Western at its heart, but it's about women. So it's not cowboys. It's about women trying to survive against the odds of this male dominated world where, you know, they're thrown into prostitution and they're thrown into childbearing when they don't want to. Yeah. And they have to try and battle against this, you know, just all the evil that's surrounding them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually a it's a brilliant movie. I started watching this thing and like 15 minutes in, I'm like, oh my God, this is dark. Mm -hmm. And then just when you think it's dark, it gets darker and then it continues to get dark. Oh my God. And it's in non-chronological order too. It's like a Tarantino movie. Mm -hmm. A lot, it's all mixed up. It's pretty cool. It's really, really cool. But yeah, so Brimstone, that's one you guys got to see. That sounds really, really interesting for sure. It is. Going back to the music thing, I don't know if this is on your list, Chris. The Red Violin. I've never seen that. Oh. Nor have I, actually. Oh. Now, if I'm going to suggest a film this week, it's going to be that. Yeah. Mm. Um, one of those, Another one of those few films that actually had me choking up at the end. It was just that much of an emotional pull on me. Um, and I'm not going to... I, You guys just see it. But I will say, well, I mentioned earlier about films that cross, you know, not only in just one period, they go through different periods, right? This is one of those films. Um, I will say it's about a violin that travels. Yes, yeah, I know of the movie. Travels, I've just never seen know, it. It goes through periods of time, you know, and it makes you think about, that's what really got my brain going, is it makes you think about, you know, and it's like a funny, goofy scene from like uh, No Country for Old Men. You know, don't put that in your pocket. Don't put that in your pocket, sir. That well, it's just a quarter, but that quarter has been traveling since 1978 or whatever the right. date was, and it finally made its way to you. Um, it makes you wonder about objects and things like that, and that's what the red violin does. Is it makes you think about just a simple thing like maybe a quarter, right? And its journey from the from the dye from the mint. And how it ends up in your pocket, right? That's where that movie will have you thinking about. It's beautifully done. It looks wow. so fucking good. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is not screaming his head off for a change. He's actually a very subdued. It's a subdued performance, uh, which suits him well. He's great yeah. in the film. So, uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about that movie. Totally watch it. Steal it. Do whatever you got to do to watch it. I don't care. No, don't steal it. Don't do that. You shouldn't do that. Go and buy it at your... Local I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna fall back on Leo one more time. Do it. He's the shit. The Aviator, the Martin Scorsese movie. No, I haven't seen that either. I haven't you, seen oh, that you either. Guys, oh, it's I've heard so wonderful. good. It's about Howard Hughes and mm-hmm. basically him trying to get his big movie made, and also the Spruce Goose, which was you know his massive, massive plane that took years and years and millions yeah. upon millions of dollars to get made. But it's another one of those movies where the spaces they're in, like when Howard is in his office or his little movie theater room, you just feel that era. You feel just everything about the time. And like, you know, Gwen Stefani has a role in it. Uh, Kate Beckinsale is in it. All these women, they make them look like perfect. Like they look like they're from that time. And, uh, Kate Blanchett is in it also. Oh. She plays Catherine Hepburn. 
And she oh. has Catherine Hepburn's like voice down. Oh, darling, get out. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> you old poop. Ah. <laughs> Let me check your poop <laughs> for you. <laughs> You should, you should do that. You should talk like oh. that all the time. I'd love to hear you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the aviator, yeah. it just, it captures okay. that time. There's a little bit of funny CGI in that too of some of the flights. But, you know, it takes you through all his test missions and him crashing a plane and being partially handicapped after that. But Leo just, he gets it. He's got the voice. He looks the part. He acts the part. And Scorsese, I mean, really, you can't go wrong with the with guy. Team. Yeah. yeah, forget it. I cool. mean, he's only made one or two bad movies ever in how many he's made. Yeah. So, but yeah, The Aviator is a great, great period piece, but it's a biographical piece also. Yeah. So, well, several of the ones that we've talked about have been, you know, the Amadeus. Yeah, Amadeus. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Well, and you know what? Let's talk about another biographical piece. And I want to I want to trail off on this because okay. I want to marry this man, and someday I will. Okay. Um, the ultimate method actor, I think, Daniel Day Lewis. Oh. Um, and his most recent output, Lincoln. Uh, obviously a period piece and biographical, like you mentioned, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, just shifting that log around in the fireplace. There's scenes I've wa- I watched him do that a couple of times in that film. Yeah, just watching him with the poker, just shifting around that log, burning. It's a hot poker. <laughs> um, Daniel Day Lewis obviously took that character, and you know we've heard all the stories of Daniel Day Lewis. Like when he gets into a character, yeah, he kind of just you know just kind of stays in that character, even when the cameras are off, he just kind of stays there. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me speaks volumes on his performances and you know on any of the films the recent the last maybe 10 15 years because he only does like a one film every like three or four years years, yeah Yeah, three four years something like that uh because he studies the shit out of the character i think and just takes his time with it uh lincoln was his last one like i said uh you should definitely watch it uh it really kind of gets into more of the you guys have seen it haven't you Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, I saw that gets, an opening night, that gets into some of the more the more meat and the nefarious ways they were trying to push yeah. things through, right? Yeah. Which I love that they were really on. It wasn't just like, oh, I got, I saved everybody. The guy's so wonderful. Yay, do a parade for me. There was a lot of kind of dirty darkness, absolutely dirty business yeah. going on in there, uh, and and that film really does get into that. But the way it looks, you know, absolutely fantastic. The opening sequences. Where they're just sitting there with so when he when he's just sitting there with soldiers, I mean, and again, that's another one of those movies. It don't have a lot of sets, right? You know, there it's you know his office, it's a lot of exterior stuff. His mm-hmm. office, Congress, you know, uh, there's only a handful of sets, but they look so damn good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, he's gonna tell another story. <laughs> he's just, and there's well, a lot of there's a lot of fun little comedic relief in that in that film too. Uh, I, I could watch it over and over again. It's just one of those ones. It's, it's one of those films me and my dad can watch over and over again. We love it. Well, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, look at uh, There Will Be Blood. Oh, it's on my list. It's on my list. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, not just for him playing Daniel Plainview, which is probably, you know, his Royal man. His Daniel Plainview and Bill the Butcher are both on par with Darth Vader as being the most threatening yeah. villains of all time. Daniel Plainview, that character, 
and I'm glad you mentioned that. But there, go ahead. The film itself, yeah. it, it is a portrait of old you. school oil barons and their necessity to go out and rape the land mm-hmm. and make as much fucking money as they possibly could and they did the shit that he does in that movie that was well studied that's the way it was these yeah. people would go out and they would manipulate some poor old farmer yeah and say oh we're gonna give you money for your church if you let us come in here yeah. and drill for oil mm-hmm. but the technology of the time when you're watching there will be blood mm-hmm. those old school oil drills and just again that dingy dark mm-hmm. feeling when he's covered in oil. You talk about and, yeah, you talk about the suffocation of that, the smell alone. If you were in a if you were in a well like that, literally feeding a line back up, covered in oil and earth, yeah, mud. You're watching that going like holy shit. But there's but there's. You see, like, to me, it's the most repulsive thing in the world. Like, when they finally strike oil in that film, and he grabs the bit and runs his hand down it and puts his hand in the sky. Yeah. Like, that's the greatest moment in his life. And to me, it's like, gross, dude. It's disgusting. It's liquid gold. It's liquid gold. And they put it on the little baby's face. I mean, that is liquid gold. Literally. He puts a little cross on the baby's head. Yeah. There's literally shots there's scenes like single shots in the film and i told amber this my fiance because i make i gotta watch the movie over and over again right <laughs> poor kid so there's actual shots you can see where i think they to me there's like one shot on the train where he's getting ready to send send his you know little daniel plane poor little H- H- hw plane view his son poor little bastard in a basket bastard in a basket he's sending him off on the train he's gonna take <laughs> off the train right there's a scene where he's sitting there with the kid, and all he is, all it is, is him looking down on his son. Yep. But you could freeze that frame, make it black and white, and you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell the difference between the period. I mean, that you could show me yeah. that period. Like, well, that's got to be from some, you know, pre-industrial type thing. You know, I mean, it looked that it looked right out of a history book. Something yeah. like anything. It looked that fucking good, man. Well, that mm-hmm. first fifteen of the min- fifteen minutes of the movie, there's no dialogue. No, that and that's what there's really, no dialogue. There's it's just, that, just noise in music, in just thundering oh. music at times, and it really it does. It totally sets you up for feeling like you know Quentin Tarantino. When I record saying that's one yeah. of the greatest films ever made. It is. It's one of the greatest films ever made. He said. He said his his only complaint. I watched a whole interview with Quentin Tarantino on this, and he said my only complaint about There Will Be Blood is that Paul Dano and Daniel, Pl- I'm sorry, Daniel Day-Lewis, they're two much different actors as far as age alone. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis has many more years than Paul Dano did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, I think the performance was a tad bit lopsided because of, you know, Daniel Day Lewis is just number of years of experience along with you know but he's I would much younger. One hundred percent disagree really? with Tarantino on that. Well, yeah, and that's just what he said. I think the movie's the shit because all the way through. Paul Dano's character is meant to be that. He's meant to be a young, aspiring priest that wants to build his church and will do anything to manipulate people yeah. to give him money. For the church. Yeah. He is the opposite end of the spectrum from Daniel Plainview, but at the same time, he's They're the same evil. person. They're both evil. They're both evil yeah. incarnate. They both want to do whatever they can to get their hands on that dollar. Yeah. 
he's the young guy, he's the old guy. Yeah. One's there's supposed so, to be good, yeah. one's supposed to be bad. It's like on yeah. the shoulders. It, there's just so yeah. much into that film. I mean, we could do a, we should do a whole fucking show on that movie. We could. Like, we, we really could because there's just so many analogies in that film. There's so much symbolism in that film. Um, you know, I could just go all day long. Yeah. It just it gives, me, it gives me the chills just to talk about that movie. But yeah, the, but then you mentioned Daniel Lee Lewis, Bill the Butcher, Gangs in New York. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, up there with fucking Darth Vader. I mean, yeah. so is Daniel Plainview. Up there with Darth Vader. Bill the Butcher, man, like, you got to pay for the privilege of my time. I mean, yeah. those kind of lines right there, I'm like, dude, you are 100% grade A New York badass right there. That's all I need to hear from you, dude. I will not fuck with you. Uh, yeah, that movie, we could go on for days about that, too, I think. The same idea. Um, another Leo film, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leo, Leo's all over this shit. Well, because he doesn't make crappy movies. You, you know, he's, you know, he yeah. really... Uh, Gangs in New York, um, historically... Uh, you know, I mean, I've done a little bit of reading on the five points. It, it's, it's almost there. There's, there, there were other gangs actually. Yeah. There, you know, yeah. and they, I think, you know, to to its credit, they had to condense. They, they, well, they no, they actually focused on just a handful of gangs. But you see, all I mean, I don't know. Again, it wasn't all fleshed out, but um, it focused on just a handful of gangs in the movie. But there was a lot more than just you know, right the gangs yeah. they talked about. There was lots of people circulating around at that time. That that point aside, what do you what do you say, yeah. man? I mean, the way that film, fuck. <laughs> I got burned me out on there will be yeah. blood. I, I I'm, okay. I'm like I'm done now. Man. I just I you, got one last one, and Chris Jordan will probably want to talk about this a little bit. Okay, yeah. Right. This is actually a horror movie. That's a period film, Ghost Story. Oh yeah, yeah. It it yeah, just that's it captures that kind of Victorian. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. because when when is the the flashback? Is that like what, like nineteen nineteen ten? I believe so. Because I know in the in the book it's the twenties, but I think in in the book the old guys are like a decade younger or something than they are in the film. But that movie <clears throat> captures yeah the it, era perfectly. The car. The dress, the way they talk. Yes. The dancing. Mm -hmm. All of it. The party. You know, that's like, yeah, it's like four dudes like trying to beat each other up for this hot chick's affection, you know? But it really captures the era really well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just like the whole backstory of like, that's why she's haunting them is like the sort of idea that like sort of the social or like sexual mores of the early 20th century with how like uptight and repressed and how it like punished women yeah. for having sexuality yeah but like the town basically sentenced her to death yeah. for being just like just in control of her own being and just doing what right. she wanted to do and they couldn't deal with that but that <laughs> is a great i mean I, I love that movie i know you've got a couple problems with it it's one yeah. of the first horror movies I ever saw, so that's probably a lot of the reason I love it. Mm. But that movie captured the period perfectly. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's a really good... I mean, my my biggest issue with it is that you can tell there's stuff that should be in that movie right, that got cut right. out. Yeah. Like, if there was a director's cut that was, like, say, 20 minutes longer, that would be... That'd be better. ...a fucking masterpiece, for sure. How about... I just want to throw this out on the floor, too. This is a different take on a period film. Uh, the village. 
by M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, yeah. ding dong. Yeah, well, the village is a really cool take on a period piece. I think and I agree. We, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't want, and it's one I don't want to. Yeah, can't, no spoilers. No, we don't want to spoil that one. But the way it transitions, yeah, that really threw me for a loop. Yeah, yeah, and I was really blown away with that. I loved it. Yeah, and it, uh, yeah, and that, but it works that way because the attention to period detail is so convincing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think period horror movies are sort of a whole subset. The Witch. Yeah, The, the witch, witch. Thank you. I was going to, I didn't put that on my list, but I want, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I know Sleepy that. Hollow is on. Yeah, I had that list. on my list, my actually. List yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like just that sense of like really grim foreboding with the period setting. Yeah. And then actually a period film that I love that isn't a horror movie, but is shot with that aesthetic to bring like that gloom to the drama of it is the Carrie Fukunaga Jane Eyre with Fassbender and Mia okay. Bajakowska that I mean you know it's it's Jane Eyre it's you know like classic it's been made drama five times. but it's it has. it's so good partly right. because like the way he shot it it's shot the same way he shot the first season of True Detective okay like it's shot like almost like a horror movie just like really like grim and spooky and oppressive and kind of surreal and it sort of feels like a dream mm -hmm. but that's in the service of just like amping up just like the drama of you know what story wise is basically a straight period drama like building up this sense of you know just like this is a doomed situation yeah. and a doomed romance. There's something really haunting about this whole world. Cause like, just like the cinematography and yeah. the lighting, like it's just so moody. Well, speaking of a mood like that too, and this is, I'm, we're going to be blowing Leo again here. It looks like yep. Leo, this is like a big Leo advertisement for this, for this. It this is, this but show. he makes great Shutter movies. Island. Did Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Oh yeah. Oh, Talk yeah. about mood, yeah. man. Oh, Holy yeah. shit. That movie was so cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, Shutter Island and the Kerry Fukunaga Jane Eyre yeah, kind yeah. of have a similar aesthetic yeah, yeah. to them. Yeah. That movie's just fun to watch. Yeah. That just got the whole, the, the lightning That's strike. That's a Scorsese movie I don't like. You don't like oh, it? I, no. I love Shutter Island. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> that's a, that's a, I, it's more, I mean, I, I don't think you can take it too seriously. Right. Uh, I don't think it was meant to be taken that seriously. The issue I take with Shutter Island is it has too many glaring similarities to other movies that try to do the same thing, like Fight Club, stuff like that, you know? Yeah, the style is so different, though. Yeah, it's like I the know. whole, like, Fight mental Club? hospital. Yeah. Like, explain. I want to hear this well, shit. We're going to get into Spoiler City. No, yeah, no, we we're start. not going to go there. We're well, not going to go after, there. After the show, I'll yeah, be fuck curious. Yeah. We're going to fight this out after. We're gonna <laughs> yeah, fight this out give us one story. more and then let's shutter this episode. Uh, uh, what do I have left on my list? Uh, well, I a couple of Schindler, Schindler's list. Uh, I like Schindler's Fist better. Saving Private Ryan. Oh, dude. Or Saving Ryan's yeah. Privates. That's another, you know, I like that one. Too. Yeah. Saving Private Ryan, I... Saving Private Ryan, the first like fifteen, well, no, oh, sorry, the first yeah. half an hour. Yeah, I've yeah. never been actually been made to be nauseous by a film. Yeah, I've seen some of the grossest shit you've ever seen. I know we all have, but that those first thirty minutes of the film, the way you know, back when this movie that movie came out, 
there wasn't that erratic camera work. Oh no, that it was, was still on ramps and and, and on on rails, right? You mm-hmm. weren't you just didn't have somebody running around in a crowd with a camera going nuts. Yeah. So sitting there, and I remember we sat like we went to the theater to see it, and we sat like right front row. You know, we heard the first like <laughs> mm-hmm. we thir- we heard like the first like thirty minutes was incredible. It was like it was crazy, you know, and yeah, that. The details in that sick. are there it too. It made me almost throw up. Yeah. Not not yeah. on the not from the gore or the amputations, just from the camera work. It made my my eyes at the time just weren't ready for something like that. They wanted to put you in that scenario. They wanted you to feel exactly what those people yeah. were experiencing. Well, yeah. They did really oh, effectively. Yeah. 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 I think it really showed the the, the futility of war, um, because these people, you show them all on that on that boat, and they're all talking like, "Okay, well, this is going to be really awesome. We're going to get off this boat. Right. We're, we're going to take that shit. It's going to be awesome." And then they open the thing, up, and like they all get mowed down. Yep, they all die, and they're all going underwater, and it's like, "What the fuck just happened here, yep. man?" Yeah. But there's that movie has those little things too. I mean, not not only does it look amazing, but there's just some of the grueling, like the big German they let go. Where he just yeah. sinks that knife into the guy's chest, and my, the the a gentleman that was with me spoke German, and the guy was sinking the knife into his chest real slow as he's going, no, 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 don't, don't do that, and he's saying speaking in German, and I guess my friend said that he's like, he's like what he's saying is you know in rough German is you know just 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 stop, it's easier if you stop, you know, uh, because if you, you know, again staying out of spoiler city there they, right. He was trying to be easy on him. Yeah. Right. Uh, movie looks amazing. There's just some, but that's a hmm. violent, yeah, violent, yeah. violent period piece. Yeah. Hard to watch it a lot. I mean, really, it is hard to watch. Yeah. yeah but uh, it, it puts you beautiful there, story. Beautiful story, though. I mean, the, it really, it's another tearjerker at the end. You're like, holy yeah. crap, dude! I can't take that. So, uh, yeah. Um, I got millions. More yeah, we could go on and on and on. Yeah, about it's this. a big, big topic. We'll do an episode B on this topic. Really, so, I yeah. really, I really think we should do a There Will Be Blood episode. Though. Yeah, I think so. I, I, we have to sit here yeah. and really nerd the hell out on that movie. I'm yeah, down. Do it. I can't. It's just one of those ones. Or we can just do a Paul Thomas Anderson yeah. episode. I'm kind of surprised we haven't. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be coming up here, folks. Let's We're do, do that. that. That'll yeah. be fun. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. The master. The master. Yeah, that's not really a period piece, though. No, actually, yeah, kind of is though. A little bit. Really? It yeah, back. it is. Yeah, for sure. Those sets in that movie. I forgot. What's that? I mean, it was just. It was like forties and fifties. It was the forties and fifties. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. When they're on that boat, he was in, he was that... in the military. Yeah, he was in World War Two. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just watched that piece. last week, and mm-hmm. there will be blood back to back. So. Oh God! What a treat. This is Chris with TheMovieSleuth.com. Thanks for listening. This was episode 43. Check us out at www.TheMovieSleuth.com. Questions, comments, or concerns, email me at Chris at SpoilerFreeMovieSleuth.com. Till next week. Bye. I drink your milkshake. Visit us at www.TheMovieSleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes.